What is your favourite thing about the Masters? I mean, I, I love the fact that it's the first. It, it really is the curtain raiser for for the rest of the year. Um, I often love the build up to majors. Um, just the the anticipation, the who's going to win. I, I love all the vintage clips that come out. You often see clips of um, Larry Mize's chipping or um, Greg Greg Norman against Faldo in '96. Um, Tiger's chipping, of course, that only just dropped in on '16. Phil Mickelson shot through the trees. I love all that stuff getting getting wheeled back out again. Um, Woosnam's fist pump. But I, I, as as a bit of a golf nerd, obviously, as we all are, um, I do love seeing all that stuff come out um, in, in sort of the prelims. And yeah, I, I enjoy the practice days, watching a bit of the practice days, seeing how they're all hitting the ball, their sort of demeanours, and it's a boring answer, but the course is just the, the course is just unbelievable, isn't it? It's so it's just so iconic. Um, we've all grown up with it. We all know it, although none of us have played it. Um, we we yeah. always seem to, yeah, yet, yet. <laughs> we we all seem to know it inside out in a way. Um, if, if we all sort of, we, we all go through each hole, identify where players can pick up shots, where players can, you know, w- when you're watching it on a Sunday, say if a player needs to pick up a few shots, you're thinking, right, well, he's got 13, he's got number hole 15 as well. So those are good, two good chances because they're par five. You just, it just clicks in your head. Um, with with Augusta and the Masters, and I think that's what's so so special about it. Yeah, I think contrary to what sort of Gary Player says, I think the history of it, because it's the only major where it goes back to the same venue every year. You have an affinity with it, you recognise it instantly um, from a completely you know betting perspective. You know how to you know look at the trends. You know they've had to have broken 67 or whatever, or they you know you, you've had to play the Masters three times unless you you're kind of Scotty Scheffler and Charles Schwartz and things like that. Um, so you have all those kind of things to it. But I just I just think that just truly like he said, I think Gary Player said that like it's it would just be another golf course in Georgia. Well, I actually think you know this might be a bit blasphemous, but like what would St Andrews be if it wasn't the Open Championship? Like well, it, like it, it's all it's all relative, you know, it's all relative, isn't it? Right. So mm. um, I, you know, I love St Andrews as much as the next person. It's historic, but I think the from the little things from the, the kind of like the par three contest on a Wednesday, the 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 Butler's cabin at the end of it, like I think you know, just having kind of Jim Nance on it and things like Faldo and like the insight you get about Augusta that you don't necessarily get the other golf courses because a lot of the time they don't know where they're playing. Like they're, they're new golf courses on the US mm-hmm. Open or the BJ Championship most of the time. So um, I think that just the familiarity with it and just you know, it's probably the best app ever. I think they've kind of said, um, which <laughs> yes. is always great um, being able to watch everything that way. So I just, yeah, just think the familiarity all around is, is kind of what I love about it. You've taken my answer right it's <laughs> it's for me growing up the masters and the open were the two that i watched yeah. wall to wall uh, i sort of have vague memories of us opens and pga championships in my head but the masters and the open were the two like that you would watch i mean the open when it used to when i was a kid it was on bbc wall to like from the yeah. very first tee shot at 6am on the Thursday until the very until the claret jug was hoisted in the air it was just non-stop on BBC and you could just dip in and out of it and it was lovely and the Masters for me other than signalling the end of winter over here and we're all sort of thinking about getting our clubs out of the garage there's kind of I don't really know how else to describe it other than it makes me just feel a bit warm and fuzzy 
Yeah. Like you know when you know when you see that first shot of you know down Magnolia Lane the players and I mean in this social media age it's it's like the trailers on social media like they they tweet out these little um, short films don't they and like the Masters is coming and it it makes you feel like it it sort of stirs emotion inside that I can't really describe and it sort of feels like I don't know it sort of feels like when you're thinking about like an ex girlfriend who you're still in love with. <laughs> it's really strange. It's really strange. Yeah, I'm glad you said something like that rather than one of us. But like the the, the do you know what I think it is. I I did buy an open championship umbrella once because it was absolutely tipping down. But like the way you think about like merch in terms of like overpriced gear, Augusta would be the place that you'd buy it. I think all the drops that are kind of like tailor made and all that kind of do ahead of the Masters is great. Mm. And I just think about. I mean, I probably got into gold pretty soon as you met probably didn't get onto it until I was kind of like 12, 13 and really not seriously until maybe 2010, 2011 in terms of like just, you know, really focusing as a main sport over football. And you think the kind of iconic wins we've had since then, I mean, obviously Rory not winning in 2011 was the biggest story, but then Bubba Watson winning, you know, with the shot that he hit, obviously um, Adam Scott winning that playoff with with Steve Williams reading that part and Spieth winning in 2015 after you know coming so close in 2014 as well and even you know from a from a European perspective before um you know he upset everyone Sergio Garcia getting a you know uh overdue win uh maybe not overdue at the Masters but an overdue kind of major win was you know a special moment at the time of those facts it was very painful for me as a Justin Rose backer but you know we, we've had some we've had some really familiar moments and I just think when you look at like Tiger winning in 1997 you have Phil winning in 2004 and how you know the, the kind of celebrations you had there like I think because of what we've had in recent years and the people that have upset people in recent years have done so well at the Masters it kind of puts a bit of a tarnish on it but everything is just so instantly recognizable all the clips like you go on YouTube and you can watch every single final round I love that um I love the fact mm. that somehow Zach Johnson won here which is still frightening to think about but like it, it's I just yeah I think it's very special you say about the merch and I well first of all I'm I'm scared for my credit card I think the only thing that's <laughs> going to save me this week is that for obvious reasons everything is dark green in colour and <laughs> I've obviously as a Torquay United fan and that's Plymouth Argyle colours it's really hard for me to want to own a lot of things that are in dark green so that that's probably the only thing that's going to save me from having to remortgage my house this week but I have had a significant number of people ask me to pick things up for them so I've got, I've got a horrible feeling I'm coming home with at least one extra suitcase this week yeah um, that's always fun in this this day and age of, of luggage allowance <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna spend more on getting my stuff getting the stuff home than I am yeah, the boy, the actual stuff, yeah. I think I think, I think the first the first full on master I remember watching like wall to wall was in 2011 when when short shorts were won um, and, and that was actually a, a brilliant Masters because in, in the last round, there was a, a number of players that could have won. So Shorts were won. You had Jason Day and Adam Scott, um, Luke Donald, Woods, Cabrera, Jeff Ogilvy, KJ Choi. I remember watching it and, and the, the, the leaderboard was so volatile. Um, so I think that was my I think that was my first Masters where I, where I properly watched it completely. And that started, that started a great stretch of Masters because the next year was Bubba and... Um, Oosthuizen in, in in the playoff, which was just obviously amazing, um, with with the incredible Bubba hook shot out out the woods, and then you had Adam Scott and Cabrera in another playoff the next year. Um, so yeah, I think I think Schwartzel, um, I sort of have images in my head of, of when Mickelson won before Schwartzel, but 
Schwartzwald one was the first one where I watched it every day and started like staying up on Sunday night to watch it all before school the next day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was I was 18 in 2011, so that means I could bet on it. So you know, <laughs> that, that's why that's why I got into it in 2011. I have never felt older. <laughs> my, all of my earliest golf memories, all of my earliest football memories, sport memories, everything are be- from before both of you were born, which is so depressing. <laughs> do you remember Faldo? Do you remember Faldo in ninety? No, wasn't born yet. No, no, I don't remember Faldo. The twinkle in my dad's eye. He's just a commentator, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Matt and I are joined by Tom Jacobs, who is our usual tipster, resident tipster, I like to say. Mm. Uh, odds checkers, Tom Jacobs, I think we refer to you as, don't we? Yes, that is, uh, that is the way you refer to us, <laughs> my official title, I guess. Odds, yeah. So, Tom, you've got a podcast of your own, and we're now going to use all of your knowledge to dive into the 2023 Masters First, I just want to talk about a few things that have happened in the week. We'll get to who we're, we're backing for the Masters. I've written a couple of pieces which we'll go through, which are who I think is going to contend. There's the obvious contenders, of course. And then we haven't had a European winner since Garcia in 17. So we're due a European winner now, I think. It's quite strange, isn't it? We sort of had that period of domination around 1990, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Mm. where I think did we win did Britain won four in a row didn't it so Lyle Fowler yeah. and then Woos and Fowler went back to them, we them. yeah we had a bit of a bit of a nice little run didn't we for, for such a tiny nation and then uh, and then I think it was Freddie Couples that broke up the, the party because then uh, though, yeah. Langer and Lafabelle came back and won again in 93 yeah. and 94 which 93 like, was when I was born if anyone wants to age me yeah so we'll go over those and and you, Tom, you can go through your picks, but before we get there, let's just talk about a couple of things that are going on this week. First of all, we have to start here. And Matt, I'll let you explain. What on earth is going on with Gary Player this week? <laughs> this, this week is generous, by the way. Well, yeah. I'm be, I, I, if, I think if we talk about what is going on with Gary Player in general, we'll have, it's a whole separate podcast. Long. That's true. Let's just let's just focus on the bits that he's been, the, the nonsense he's been spouting in the last few days in the press. Uh, yeah, I mean, even sort of my short life as a golf fan from the age of about 12 till now, like I've, I've, I've experienced my fair share of Gary Player um, quotes and interviews where you just sort of, you're left scratching your head. Um, but they're just so provocative and so unnecessary ahead of the Masters. The first, the first men's major of the year. Um, it's it's something we all look forward to in April. It's the it's a lot of people probably see it as when the, the season truly begins. Um, and describing when I sort of uh, first saw the headline that he described the Masters as the fourth best major out of four, obviously, I. I then dived in. I thought maybe that's just clickbait. Maybe it's maybe there's a bit more to it. But no, that, that, that's what it was. Um, it's just so provocative, and he probably doesn't even think that. No, no disrespect to the USPGA, but 
what is there about the US PGA that's better than the Masters, for example? Again, no disrespect to it, because we all love watching it. But it is there's another one of those moments where you just sort of left scratching your head at Gary Player. He basically said something along the lines of like it wasn't historic enough, didn't he? He basically mm. said that they. That's really strange. Around. So he's comparing it to say, okay, all right, the Open, which has been yeah. since 1865, the US Open, which 1895, I want to say. So fine, those two, they're out there on their own in terms of history and yeah. prestige and all that. But the PGA is only 15 years off the top of my head, only 15 years or so older than the Masters. It's not mm. exactly a lot in it, especially in the context of it being, you know, we're, we're 100 and whatever years on now. The strangest thing is, is that like the Masters has probably been his most successful. He's won out three times and he's won the Open three times. But like I, I can completely understand that there's always golfers, especially like European golfers, British golfers particularly, like that, that prefer the Open. I don't necessarily ever hear an American golfer to say I prefer the US Open to the Masters, and this is potentially no. Bruce Koepka, who has won a couple of them. But like, I think I think I can I can completely get on board with people saying they prefer the Open. Like some people just love the Open Championship, and, and I mm. get that. But but to kind of go in on the Masters, and then you find out it's it's basically for personal reasons, Matt, isn't it? That he <laughs> struggles to get on the golf course. Well, yeah, that's another thing that sort of leaves you scratching. You have a Gary Player. He said for people who didn't really, who don't know. Um, about what he said to the Times, I believe it was. Um, that he has to supposedly beg to, to get a tea time at, at Augusta. He can't take his grandchildren there. He has to beg a member to get a tea time. Um, I mean, it is a bit world's smallest violin, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very much. <laughs> oh, beyond the third world problems. Yeah, I mean, should I have to beg someone to play Augusta? That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, I have to beg someone to play. Yeah. And, pay and pay and play around here. Oh, yeah, just to just to get on. I remember COVID, you couldn't get a tea time. But <laughs> but yeah, it's it's, I'd it's play a with Patrick scratcher. Reed if it meant playing Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> Probably Gary Player would as well. But there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah he would. But especially is he is he so ingrained in it? He, he does the ceremonial tea times um, on the Thursday morning. Um, he's he assume presumably attends the Champions Dinner every every year. He's so ingrained in the place. And all these comments are so unnecessarily provocative. I, th- I think it's just one of those, he just needs to stay relevant until, mm. yeah, I don't want to say it, but he just wants to stay re- relevant for a length of time that he has. And that's just how he's going to do it. And wasn't it something along the lines of like his son holding up a bit of his like company's logo or something during the Lee Elder like kind of mm. tribute as well? Like it's just, it, it's just a, I don't like Gary Player, so I don't need to sort of go in too hard on him. But <laughs> yes, nothing that he says surprises me. Matt hit the nail there. He does the ceremonial tee shot. Like the yeah. whole first 10, 15 minutes or whatever of the Masters tournament is all about him. It's all the Gary. Mm. Obviously, there was that rather unsavory stuff with the product placement and things like that. And that was all a bit unnecessary. And, and he was, they were heavily criticized for that. And uh, him and his, you know, one of his sons doesn't even speak to him. If if Twitter's to be believed, but it just feels like what what I don't understand why he's burning his bridges. If I'm Augusta National, I'm looking at that going, why is this guy coming and doing our mm. ceremonial tee shot? Well, that those would be my thoughts. Yeah, like again, he did, he's done it since 2012. Um, now Tom Watson does it with him and Jack Nicklaus. Um, so does he go there? Does he go there hating it? Does he go? Does he ceremonial, ceremonial tee shots, shaking Chairman Ridley's hand and? previous chairman's hands as he go there in false pretenses um sort of hating it um not wanting to be there so he's happy enough to do to do all that and be involved in the pomp and ceremony of the masters 
I, I just wonder if it's a bit of a complacency. Like they know they're not really going to replace him at this point unless they're going to get kind of like, mm. I mean, who's going to do it? Like a Fowler or a Lyle or someone like that. Like it's, it, they're, they're not really going to go for that. So I think it's one of those, oh, they're, they're not going to replace me unless I do something really bad. Um, <laughs> and, he, and I don't think he's got a grasp of what really bad is, but as long as he can still do his push-ups, he'll be all right. <laughs> a classic, I did 10,000 sit-ups this morning. Yeah. Let's move away from Gary Player, goodness me. We we mentioned Patrick Reed in there some somewhere. He's come out and said that a Masters win for a Live Golf player would validate Live Golf, would validate the Breakaway League. First of all, do we think that's true? Do we think that actually it would make people sit up and take notice of Live Golf? Now, I, I haven't been, I must admit, I've been quite busy this weekend and I haven't watched any of the Orlando Live event, but I know that Reed and Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka are doing very well, all legitimate contenders for the Masters this week. So first, anecdotally, do we think that he is right? Do we think that that would be huge for Liv? Greg Norman Jr. has been saying that if a Liv player wins, the other 17 or whatever it is, Liv players in the field will be waiting off the back of 18 to congratulate them. (laughs) So first of all, that's the first question. Second of all, Tom, I don't know if you have any uh, more in-depth knowledge as a a betting expert about the, the, the Liv contenders at Augusta. Yeah, I, I think I think in terms of the initial question, does it validate them? No, I think it I think it validates to the point of when they talk about individuals, because I don't think I think that the problem is at the moment is there's a sweeping um, opinion of every player on live and they all kind of get grouped into one. And I don't think that's fair in a, in a, in a sense Like there's there's different motivations, there's different level of players on there. There's. You know, you get a Schwan Kims that finishes 80th every, whatever it is, every week, 60s, whatever it is, every week, um, and and cashes 80 grand. And then you get the the kind of the Patrick Reeds who, when he goes and plays on the DP World Tour, and he can, and you know, he still shows up. And then I think when you look at this this week's leaderboard, and Brooks Koepka is, is currently 15 under as we're talking, Reeds 11 under, sort of four behind him. Like, I think they're still pretty much. Um, capable of winning on the PJ Tour, on majors and everything like that. I think when you look at the full swing documentary, I think there's a little bit of understanding of why Kepka did it. I think he was probably frightened for his career, right, in terms of health. Um, so, no, I don't think it would validate the tour as a format, as a league, but I think it would certainly validate the these golfers don't care anymore or they're not good enough anymore type questions. Like the, the kind of statement of, they've gone there because they can't compete with the others, I think is a bit too much. So uh, I think there's a, I don't really think anything Patrick Reed says carries too much water at the moment. So it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, I tried to defend him valiantly once and uh, I wish I never did that, but um, you know. (laughs) Sorry, Matt, Cam Smith said something similar, didn't he? He said, you know, all this stuff about us not being able to compete is quote BS. (laughs) Mm. Well, personally, I can't really see any of them, realistically competing at the masters next next week obviously you you could expect dustin johnson cam smith and patrick reed to um compete because of their past uh performances at augusta but i just just don't think they play enough um i don't think there's i don't think there's enough um depth in in that roster there's only 18 of them playing um i would be surprised if they if if one of them was to win to be honest but in terms of validating the tour 
It, it, it would be. I mean, imagine, imagine if one of them wins it. You, you, we'll never hear the end of it, will we? Um, but if, if one of them did win it, it, it would add another string to that tour's bow, I suppose. It would add another string to whichever players it was, uh, a c- career. Um, but in terms of validating, that was a very broad term for a tour that's still, regardless of whoever wins the Masters, is still going to be inferior in this current climate to the PGA Tour. Um, I'm, I'm sure, and, but, but in terms of what Cameron Smith said, I'm, I'm sure there are, they have got a, quite a bit of determination to prove themselves um, in the mix of the PGA Tour players. I'm sure they're really looking forward to potentially being paired with Rory or Scotty or, or um, Justin Thomas. I'm sure they're very excited about that prospect. Um, and it would make for a much better, a much better viewing experience, wouldn't it, if, if they were to raise their game and compete and compete in the final stretch. Sorry, Tom, the, the pairings will be really interesting, won't they? Like who's going to be teed up with? I mean, they absolutely are not going to make a circus of it by putting, I don't know, Rory and Mickelson together, for example. No. They're not going to put any live players with high profile PGA Tour players. Let's just put it that way. That's not yeah. going to happen. Tom, just back to the second question. Yeah. What are the bookies? How are the bookies feeling about a, a live winner this week? Yeah, so I think, you know, for for a number of years, Dustin Johnson came into this event as, what, the second, third, fourth favourite basically every year, and rightly so. Um, and the fact that he's dropped down to, I think, currently 28 to 1 is the best price, maybe 33 to 1 about him. That kind of suggests the fall when you start to see Brooks Kepler coming at 40 to 1, 33 to 1, and even as big as kind of like 50 to 1 in the kind of exchanges over here. That suggests what we're working with. Cameron Smith is a... Is, considered the most likely at 20 to 1 um and I do understand that obviously he's the most recent major champion I think when when you look at St Andrews as a whole Cameron Smith first Dustin Johnson sixth Bryson DeChambeau eighth answer 11th that's the slight concern I know they'd obviously been playing some PJ Tour stuff before that and Liv wasn't quite under the ground but one of the interesting things I, I sort of thought about this week was everyone was kind of saying you know Orlando is a terrible prep for the Masters all the players that are not playing on the PGA Tour this week are probably going to play golf in Orlando. That's where basically all of them live. So, like, how much how much different is it, I think, is the thing. It, I think there's a certain amount, of, I think there's an element of maybe if Cameron Smith is fit, there's a, there's a question mark over his wrist. I think if he's fit, it's very hard to see him not at least making an impact and, and kind of being in the top 20 maybe. But I think in terms of legitimate winners, I think if Brooks Koepka's fit, then him and Dustin Johnson remain the kind of threats and... Um, Patrick Reed obviously loves to spoil a party. Right, let's let's talk about contenders now. I'll, we'll move on to the Europe. We'll, we'll focus on Europe yep. uh, afterwards, but let's just start with the contenders now. McRoy and John Rahm, obviously huge favourites. Scotty Scheffler. Are we saying that we think those? Are we are we thinking in terms of betting wise? Are we thinking the winner is coming from one of those three? I mean, they're the the hottest golfers on the planet right now they're world numbers one two and three can you see it coming out of anywhere else from there uh, to be fair a few, a few months ago i did back um I've, i bet on max homer when he was in contention at the genesis um i got 40 to one which i was quite pleased with because i don't think you can get anywhere near that now um so that would be an example of maybe an outsider from those three could definitely step up and win a major for the first time um, I was looking at betting now. Obviously, Jordan Spieth's got a fantastic record at Augusta. Um, a former champion um, should be a multiple champion, really. At Augusta, you could argue. You've got um, 
in terms of the live players, um, as I said earlier, I can't really see any of them winning. It's realistic that they, they could obviously challenge. Um, but yeah, without sounding boring, it would be hard to look away from Scotty Sheffer, in my opinion. Um, I know he's world number one. That's been a bit of a hot potato, that top spot in the world between Ram Sheffer and McElroy. But I just think Sheffer is very solid. He can turn bad rounds into just solid rounds and stick around. Whereas I think, whereas I think if things aren't going McElroy or Rahm's way in a round, I think they've got a bit more of a fiery temperament than, than Sheffer. I think that's the way he keeps um, his lid on and wins as, as often as he does. Um, so Sheffer would be my pick out of those three. Um, would, only be the think, fourth, would only be the fourth player to defend the Masters. Yeah. Incredible. What, well, First since Tiger as well, isn't it? 97 yep. was, you know, yeah. the, the first one for Tiger. But yeah, he's the first one since then. I think I think the thing is with the with the world number one thing is, I think that gets, uh, it used to get overplayed a lot that basically didn't want to back the, the world number one because they also come in with so much pressure and never did it today. And I think recently we've had Dustin and Scotty Scheffler win it as world number one. So um, I think that's probably gone at this stage. But it's, I think for me, the way I kind of view this at the moment is of those three, John Rahm's got the least amount of pressure. And I think that's a massive thing for him. Like, because he, when he had the three wins um, very early on in the, in, in the year, everything was on him. And then all of a sudden he's lost a bit of form. Scotty Scheffler's won again twice. Uh, Rory's performed well at Bay Hill in the match play. And all of a sudden the pressure's back on them. And he's just got a wild record and I just I just think that when you look at the fact that he wasn't great in the majors last year um he's had four top nines uh in a row between his debut and last year's performance his worst finish is 27th both his debut and last year and he's broken 70 in nine of his 24 rounds at Augusta which I think it's ridiculous like 30 something percent 35 percent maybe uh match isn't my strongest point at this time but um <laughs> Yeah, like five wins since October. And you look at it. So he came into Augusta in 2017. He'd won Tory Pines, but that was his first uh, appearance at Augusta. You never tend to do that well, um, barring a few obvious ones. And so it's like Speed and Sung Jim in recent years. Jonas Blix, if anyone remembers that one. Um, yeah. But um, then when you look at it, he then won again. He won the career builder the following year and then finished fourth here. Now you're talking about the fact he's won three times this year already. And I know he was he was poor at Bay Hill after round one. He withdrew from the players with sickness. He didn't play that great at match play. The match play doesn't bother me. I think some of the best players in the world just struggle with match play. Uh, don't really care. Illness didn't seem to bother him at the match play. It was more just, you know, cold passer here and there. Bay Hill was a little bit kind of troubling that he went so far backwards after the, the opening round. But again, tough golf course can be a bit volatile. Just someone as consistent as he's been, uh, he's, he's sat on the lead before Augusta. It wouldn't be a new thing if that happened to him. Um, obviously, didn't do that that greatly after that you know, first six-hole lead. But to me, just the fact that Rory's going for the Grand Slam, Scotty Scheffler's defending, I just think he's he's in the prime spot. The only thing I would say to counter Scheffler's point is I think with I remember interviewing uh, Ted Scott before, and he said the reason Bubba struggled in between the kind of years that he did, he, you know, in 2013, 2015, he never liked doing the kind of champions dinner and all that sort of stuff. He was quite an anxious person. And I don't think Scotty Scheffler cares. So I don't think that will particularly impact him. Um, and he's just playing so well. I can definitely see him finishing eighth, ninth, tenth. But if I had to pick one of the three, it would definitely be John Rahm for me. I think that's reflected in Bubba Watson. I don't know if you've seen this online, but it was been doing the rounds 
watched again recently, which was Bubba Watson's horrific Champions Dinner menu, which was literally yeah. like <laughs> grilled chicken breast and salad. <laughs> uh, like horrendously, it's probably the one I would have eaten the most. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's just move outside that top three. You've got Justin Thomas is surely a Masters champion in waiting. Jordan Spieth, who he's friends with, I don't know if you know. Colin Morikawa. Already a two-time major champion is trending in the right direction at Augusta. He's in decent form. As uh, you know, if he wins at Augusta, he's one away from his own Grand Slam. And, yeah. Uh, Xander Schauffele, he's had a tied two and a tied three here. Probably should have won in mm. 21 when Matsuyama won. He derailed at 16, didn't he, by dunking it in the water. I think he had a triple bogey. Behind them, you've got you, perhaps say 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 that's the second group then the third yeah. group is probably the wills alatoruses of the world matt fitzpatrick and, and max homer as matt just said then yeah, yeah. i think so you, you had Cantley in there as well in that group i suppose <clears throat> but like like for me uh, morikawa is definitely going the right direction i think just the struggles he's had around the green this season and you know the putting's always a bit suspect so i do wonder Thomas seems to have developed his own mini Zalasaurus stroke uh, nearer the hole, which would be my only concern. Like every year he mm. plays well here, but for some reason he can't do it. And then adding that into the mix would would scare the life out of me. Um, so, yeah, that would be my concern about Thomas. And then you've got that second group. I mean, there's not really much to say about Shoffelet. I think he's, he's brilliant and he's had those couple of wins since that suggest that he could do it. But um, And then Zalasaurus, I think, is just struggling for form at the moment, maybe injured. I think um, I think Cameron Young sort of showing a bit of sign of improvement with the new caddy as well. Um, it's it's difficult not to just go with a massive scattergun approach for the majors, isn't it? And just mention every player. Um, but he, he's he's a good player to mention at a, at a price. I think he's finished second six times in the PGA Tour in his career. Finished third twice. Um, so he would definitely be a player that I think is trended in the right direction. Um, he obviously finished second in the in the match play final. Um, some outstanding golf he played in, in Austin Country Club, beating Rory McIlroy in a quite gritty second in his last major appearance as well. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean that. I mean that was that was the most clutch second place finish ever by Eagley in the last hole. Really applied the pressure to Cam Smith at St Andrews. Um, so that's definitely another player that I think's worth mentioning. If we're going to move on to um, European players, I think. Victor Hovland would be um, a decent a decent one to start with. He's had he's had he's made all ten cuts this season, I believe. Um, he's got four top tens on, on the PGA Tour this time around. Um, but I think it's Just, definitely worth mentioning that on Sundays he does struggle in the big events. I think. Well, yeah, we saw that at the Open, didn't we? And he and he seems to be doing it in some of the bigger PGA Tour events as well. So. Just because you've mentioned Young and Hovland there, you sort of did a wee on my bonfire somewhat. <laughs> um, so I I went back through every single year since OWGR has been a thing. I got the world ranking at the start of the week of every single player that then went on to win the Masters. And the average winner was ranked world number 14, which is currently... Cameron Young that could actually we're recording this on Sunday night that could actually change Monday morning I don't know if it will I'm not an OWGR expert algorithm expert but that could change Monday but world number 14 at the moment is Cameron Young if you then narrow that down to just the last 10 years 
it's currently the position held by Mr. Victor Hovland. So wow. maybe those maybe those two are the the big shouts for you to to go at. I think just while we're here, I and I did this research. So perhaps what I'll do is just just to throw out to the listeners very briefly. I'm not going to ask you two because well, Matt, you were in the office the other day when we did this when I when I was researching <laughs> this and and I did the quiz in the office and Tom, I'm not going to expect you to start. Rem- digging out world number ones from the yeah, 90s. Don't, don't expose me yeah. from from before you were born so i'm just going to throw <laughs> this one out to the listeners something to think about if they want the answer they can go to nationalclubgolfer.com and go to my piece which is headlined is this the most masters open masters ever so there have been five players who have won the masters who went into the tournament ranked world number one and there have and then there's a second part of the question which is there have been eight players who have won it just eight players have won it outside the world's top 20 so there's a couple of little quiz questions to get you fired up right let's talk about Rory McIlroy so we all have our own idea as to who might slip on the green jacket of course this since that should we call it a fateful day in 2011, we've already mentioned it, where McIlroy led by one on the 10th before the errant drive led to a triple bogey, ended his chances. But since then, my heart has always said Rory McIlroy, but my head has very rarely agreed. We're all teetering on the edge of therapy from what happened that year. That uh, final round 80 still <laughs> still leaves so many of us in a cold sweat just thinking about it. Yeah, it it was a collapse that left him on the phone to his mum in tears. He admitted that Augusta made him feel uncomfortable. But it's also a golf course that we're told time and time again suits his game better than anyone else. So for someone so brutally damaged by Augusta National, McIlroy somehow managed to put himself in contention on a number of occasions. His record is seven top tens, including three in the top five in the last nine. The most notable of those came in 2018 when his Putter just wouldn't get going and he he fell too but far behind Patrick Reed to be able to mm. to fix it. And of course last year he was denied by a rampaging Scheffler. <laughs> but now he is playing the best golf of his career. I think he's it's fair to say outside of that major winning purple patch. He's added three more PGA Tour titles and a DP World Tour win since he left Georgia last year. And it's the most confident I've been for a decade that he's about to pull on sports most famous piece of clothing so it's time Rory get the green jacket get the grand slam write yourself into golf history books forever who's going to argue that case I uh, yeah I will um what is eight years isn't it since you won a major nine I believe uh nine, nine well, four, 14 yeah yeah so it's to me that uh the fact that he's kind of been in and when you when you think about his master's record, how many chances? I mean, 2018 you mentioned. Is that the only time since he's really had a chance to win it? All the other times it feels like a bit of a backdoor effort. Uh, mm. Never really looked like he had a chance to win. Um, sort of free free road it, free rolled it over the weekend. And you know, there's a couple of par fives that really suit him that he can go out when he's out of contention. I just think he gets there on a Wednesday, thinks he has to win, and crumbles a bit on the Thursday. And uh, you just saw it at the Open Championship last year. He has said so many things between then and now that the pressure's only cranked up tenfold. The one thing I would say to that is every time he's put a little bit of pressure on himself, he seems to have got better. 
Um, I don't know any golfer in the world that would decide to tell people that he had 19 putts in a practice round at Augusta and heap even more pressure on himself. So maybe that um, is a factor that he likes to do. I, I just think I just think that the amount of pressure he's under, the amount of things he said about the people, the amount of people, like the awkwardness he's going to have around the grounds because of what he said about people. Um, although if you believe Brooks Koepka, they're still best friends anyway. But mm. it's, yeah, I, I think it's just the pressure. Like, that, that's why I like John Rahm. I think I think Scheffler is is a bit more brilliant proof in terms of pressure, but has that kind of the defending champion thing behind him. And I just I just think Roy puts way too much pressure on himself. I think it's just as likely that he wins two majors this year uh, outside of the Masters than he does win the Masters, <laughs> which is you know mathematically is a, is a terrible statement to make. But like <laughs> I think he, I think he's definitely capable of winning Hoylake and a PGA or US Open than he is to win Augusta. I just think I just think it's such a hard thing for him to do and. You know, I can't think of a player that's chased it for this long and not got there. And the fact that his best effort was what his second start in the event, third start maybe. Um, yeah, it, it concerns me a little bit. Well, I thought we'd already I thought we'd already decided this, Alex. I thought he was winning. <clears throat> I've already decided in my head that Rory McIlroy is going to win the Grand Slam, and then Jordan Spieth is going to follow mm. him with a Grand Slam of his own at the PGA. That would be a hell of a year, wouldn't it? That, that would be like as much as you know, people that may listen to kind of me talk on a weekly basis, unfortunately for them, like they um they may know that I kind of am a bit critical of Rory McIlroy. And I think it's one of those ones where like you I think I'm one of those people that when commentary kind of force in your ear that he's the best player ever and if he's on his game, no one's betting him and all that sort of stuff. I think when people speak nonsense about him, it makes me push against him as an individual when it's probably not his fault, like he can't control the narrative mm. around him. Uh, so I think it's a little bit of that. And I think sometimes I get a bit defiant, like, you know, he's, if if they're all playing at their best, then why would he be any better than everyone else? And, you know, if that was the case, then why is he not won a major in eight years and all this sort of stuff? But, yeah, I think ultimately at some point he's going to win a Masters and it just depends when, I guess. And if, if you think it's this year because of the form he's in, then I absolutely find it difficult to disagree. Yeah, I feel like every, every Masters he arrives at, there's a massive pressure on him that he has to win it. When he's only, is he 30, 32 or 33? You know, I suppose he's not getting any younger in that sense. However, he is a, a, such an athlete that he could obviously be still competing with a good chance at the Masters, in my opinion, for another decade at least. Um, so the years are ticking by on him, I suppose. But I just feel like there's a lot of self-imposed pressure on McElroy. And then obviously we're all sitting here talking about it, watching him, imploring him to win the Masters. Um but as you said, he hasn't really come that close. The 2011 collapse, it was over. You know, that back nine was over before it began, wasn't it? Um, quite sadly. Um, he came fourth in 2015, which I don't really, I don't really remember him being in contention that year. Um, and last year, the, the way you alluded to that, to that Tom, where pressure gets piled on him by sort of commentators and pundits. Last year, when he was making birdies and 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 really firing up the leaderboard. They were going, God, you know, Rory's Rory's doing this. R- Rory's really coming back at Scheffler here, but it was just never the case. So I think that's a prime example of how so much pressure is piled on McElroy. I don't think that think, that's helped. Sorry, I think you are just, sorry, I think you are just dismissing 2018 a little bit. I think he had that putt at the yeah, bar, he, he, he had an eagle five seconds. He hit an unbelievable shot into the second. Yeah. And it was a, I mean, it was a putt that any three, any one of the three of us would have made and he missed it. And I, I sincerely believe that if he had hold that putt, he would have yeah. just rampaged through the past read and, and won the tournament. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that that's the thing that that is the one chance since because when you think about this, the, the 2015 one that you mentioned, you don't really remember being contentious because he wasn't. He was 10 shots back after Saturday and he finished six shots back of Spieth. Like to be fair, Spieth was just too good, but even Mickelson and Rose were the closest contenders for back. Um, but yeah, it was 2018. I mean, he was in the final pairing with Reed, wasn't he? I think he was on, in 2018. Um, then he put the drive in the trees in the first half. It kind of set the tone, and I think. At that point, Reed was already hated, but he was kind of respected as this person that can win. And I think that kind of got to him a little bit. Um, it definitely depends on who he gets in the pairing with um, as to how he does it. I mean, like last year, you know, the fact they kept saying, oh, he's, he's, he's coming, he's coming. Like, he never had more than probably a 10% chance of winning that event. Like it it was just ridiculous. Like Scheffler wasn't going away. So I, it's, it obviously is a great golf course for him because he, you can't go and shoot, what, 64 like he did last year and it not be a golf course for you and, and do what he does in a regular basis. Like it's just that if he, if he can start fast on Thursday, if he's in the top five after Thursday, he's got a good chance. One of our colleagues, Steve Carroll, who hosts the from the clubhouse podcast yeah it, he always jokes that he makes an absolute shed load of money on McRoy because he'll shoot 80 on the first day and then he'll back him to finish top 10 because the pressure's off him he knows he yeah. can't win and he'll yeah, just yeah. he'll go 64 66 68 and finish like fourth or something the, the only thing I would say to 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 uh balance out my maybe a bit pessimistic view on him this is the first year where he'd have got as many reps as he did because of these elevated events on the PGA Tour. He's been playing against all the best players regularly, uh, whereas he hasn't had a, a, that kind of build up um, again to kind of cancel a little bit. They were kind of his worst performances, which is a little bit concerned. Like he missed a cut of the players, 29th at Riviera, 32nd at Phoenix. Um, is it like winning the CJ Cup and then winning, uh, you know, the Dividers at Classic? Does that just crank up pressure on him unfairly when, you know, even like Bay Hill, he probably didn't really like if. Kitty Armour should have been a bit more comfortable there as well. So it's it really is tough. Like I think sometimes like the match play, you can hide a couple of things. Like he never pulled away from Scott Stallings like he should have done on day one. He was lucky to stay up on a hazard in, against Denny McCarthy and then kind of rallied after that. Like it's I don't know. Sometimes things cover a couple of cracks. Like the last few weeks haven't been as good. Um, I, I hope he does it because I hope historically I think he's a player that deserves to do a Grand Slam. Of course, I think it's probably fair to say at this point maybe Tiger Woods obviously still moves the needle a bit more but like he's the most important player in golf you know week to week mm-hmm. um you know whether that comes with too much pressure I don't know but hopefully he does it just for history's sake I think it's worth noting that history is actually against him the stats doyen that is Justin Ray tweeted a couple of days ago to say that the most starts for a first time Masters win, Billy Casper 14, Marco Mira 15, Sergio Garcia 19. This is Rory McIlroy's 15th start of the Masters. So actually wow. only only two players have won the Masters in their 15th start or more. So that's, that's interesting. Thrown by. That's thrown by, hasn't it's, it? I suppose the difference with Sergio is like, he was never good, was he, at Augusta? Like he, he well, perennially, yeah, exactly. perennially didn't like it, whereas Rory's been here, you know, that the, there's so many trends that like you can use against people and then for them in in so many different ways and they can get skewed very quickly. Um, in, in terms of betting it, he'll just never get my money at single figures just because he's just mm. a little bit more volatile than I hope. But um, in terms of historically and you know country's popular belief, I do hope he gets one. We talked we talked about Victor Hovland very briefly. He's he's in my five European players to end the drought. Can we call six years a drought? I'm not sure, but we're going to. Yeah, I think you can. Yeah. So we've talked about Rory. We've talked about Ram. We've mentioned Hovland. Hovland's Masters record 
isn't the worst. Tied 32, tied 21st, tied 27th sort of feels quite solid for your first three visits to Augusta. I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise in any way, shape or form. The next player I've got on my list is Matt Fitzpatrick. I spoke to his caddy last week, Billy Foster, to do some Ryder Cup stuff with him. And I asked him about Fitzpatrick's chances and he said, of course he can win. He's he's got the game for Augusta. The you know the golf course suits him. His master's record is okay. Uh I've got it here. Miscut, tied seventh, 32, 38, 21, 46, 34, 14. So take out those middle that middle lot. The the tied 21st is encouraging. The 14th is encouraging. The seventh is encouraging. I mean the seventh was years ago though. But is he someone on your radar, Tom? I think the concern with me with Fitzpatrick is the health. I think that's the only real concern with me is that, I mean, I kind of, like I watched him uh, in round, in the first match against JJ Spawn and he couldn't keep his irons on the golf course. It was quite mm. concerning. And I think it was, there's just no freedom in like his neck. Cause then I took him on in the next match and he, and he was absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> the seventh was seventh the year that Willett won. I think it was where like there was like Willett Fitzpatrick and Westwood up there like from yeah, England. Yeah, loads and, of Englishmen in the yeah, top ten. Yeah, and like it was it was he came from kind of nowhere. I think he shot like sixty seven on the final day, which is really impressive. Uh, but when he was thirty second the year after, he was fourth after day one. Uh, when he was thirty eighth after that, he kind of flashed uh, a couple of better rounds. He was twenty first after uh, Saturday, shot sixty seven there as well. So he does. Well, he kind he of knows how, so he knows how to get it round. In, yeah, exactly. Low, that. low figures. And this is the. It's just first, about getting four in a row. Yeah, and it's the first time, I guess, where you could say, one, he's coming because last year he was 14th, which is his second best finish here, and that was when he added that little bit of distance. And then when you you add, you factor in the fact that it's the first time he's returning here as a major champion, he's kind of got that monkey off his back. He's got the PJ Tour win off his back, in good style. That coupled with with having Billy Foster, I think it's a you know it's a great opportunity for him. I. I just worry about the health. Like, I, I don't think his neck is holding up for four days. And I think he's he, he, he's one person that isn't using it as an excuse, which I actually quite admire. Like, he's, he's not coming out and saying, like, my neck's bothering me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to be reported for him. Uh, he's obviously quite close to Dan Rappaport and people like that that probably report it for, his, um, for him. So I think, I think, yeah, I think absolutely. I think he can. I'd probably take him over Victor Hovland just because of the around the green issues with Hovland despite the fact that Fitzpatrick yeah. goes with um you know the cross-handed approach I think it's yeah I, th- I think they've both got absolute chances of kind of being the kind of top 10 and I think I think for Fitz it's actually really important to kind of build that major record now and even probably for Hovland who hasn't you know necessarily other than outside of St Andrews really had a good chance of winning one no I, I, b- before we we came on I wanted to sort of earmark Fitzpatrick I, I, I find this it might be a bit of an overreaction but I find his form quite concerning to be honest um, he's only he's, he's only made um, one top ten on the PJ Tour this season, and he's missed four cuts, and that's already more cuts than he missed all, all last season. And I know he had an outstanding season last season where he won the US Open, became a major champion. Um, he's not actually that very. I know it's still early days, but he's not very well placed on the um, Ryder Cup rankings for Europe at the minute. I know I'm sure he'll get. If he, if he wasn't in the top six automatics, I'm sure he'll get a captain's pick. Yeah, he can have one but, of the 28 picks, can't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But maybe away from that, um, I, I find his form quite quite concerning. And it probably is um, a direct a direct result of of the, his, his neck issues that he's been experiencing. Um, just a few things that I've noticed while watching him on the PJ Tour on, on the broadcast. He doesn't he doesn't appear. He seems un- uncomfortable. 
I might just be using little pieces of evidence here to generalise, but he has he hasn't seemed that comfortable. Um, I feel like he's quite he's very hard on himself. I think. Um, I think that's something that I've seen on different little segments I've seen that Benny Foster gets into him about. That he, I think he's quite hard on himself. Um, he, he's almost sometimes I really like him, but he's, he's almost sometimes sort of quite petulant with some shots that he hits that aren't like pitch perfect. That that he's quite annoyed with. So I think he applies a lot of pressure into to himself. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see him pick up some from form at Augusta. Um, but in terms of betting perspective, Tom, that, that that wouldn't he wouldn't. I mean, from just a casual recreational better myself, he's yeah. not one I, I'd be looking at to to win, to be honest, because I wouldn't say he's exactly trending. Uh, he's lost over ten strokes on approach this season, so wow. that's why that's why he's missing the cut. Uh, you know, as often as he is, 171st in approach. Uh, Interestingly enough, next to him is Adam Scott in 170th. Um, and then you kind of got Sam Burns. So you've got some big names around him that are equally struggling. Um, it, it is, it's purely, I've got to believe it's just his neck. And I think it's, it's coming, you know, kind of like how people chase distance, people do it in different ways. He's obviously picked up a lot of speed in his swing. And I think that's where he's done that. I think it can only cause those kind of concerns that he was very against distance. During COVID, he said, you know, anyone can just pick up distance. They should just go and do it. And I was like, well, why don't you then? And then he did. Um, and it was probably a direct result of his form picking up. But, yeah, I think this maybe would have been one of his concerns as to why he didn't do it before. It, it's just one of those things. I think with with Augusta, you can overcome a little bit of, I know you, you typically they say you should have had a top five in the last couple of months. You should have had, a, you know, two top 30s already in the space of whatever it is, the last two starts or whatever. There's, there's very kind of hard and fast trends in that. But um, I think for me, you can just get it. You see these people come back every year, don't you? Like you, the kind of like couples and the Jimenez is that used to just hang around for three rounds and then go away. Like there's no reason Fitzpatrick can't do that for, you know, shoot 70, 70, 71 and finally catch fire on Sunday or whatever. Um, so I think in terms of the fact that, you know, maybe for some each place, each way you place money for that respect, I think you can actually do that. Um, chances of winning are probably quite low, I would say. I, I guess, in the sense that I would take Fitzpatrick over Hovland, I think he's maybe the steadier option, but I think volatility-wise, maybe Hovland offers more win equity, which is an interesting argument, I guess. I'm going to throw one more player into the mix for yeah. a, a European win to end this, what we're calling a drought. This is a player who will end his career feeling like he could and perhaps should have won more than the sole major championship he has on his CV. And it will be Augusta where he will rue yeah. the missed opportunities. In 2007, he was tied for the lead through 54 holes, only to double bogey two of the first three holes and effectively end his chances. He rallied around the turn, but it was a little bit too late. And he ended up three back of Zach Johnson. Remember when Zach Johnson won the Masters? Yeah. Eight years later, it was a tie for second. But in reality, he never really got close to runaway leader Jordan Spieth, just like we were talking about with Rory McIlroy before. But it will be 2017 that stings the most. I think I've given away who it is now. Having overtaken 54-hole leader Sergio Garcia at the turn, he led until an unfortunate bogey at 17 allowed his rival to force a playoff back to the 18th tee. And Justin Rose smacks his drive into the trees and Garcia's found the short stuff. And, well, we know what happened next. But... After a bit of time in the wilderness, he's found some fitness. He's found some form. He's won on the PGA Tour for the first time in just over four years. Go on, Justin Rose, Masters Champion 2023. I think he's been the first round. I'm just double checking this. But I'm pretty sure he's been the first round leader at this event 
He's definitely been twice. It might be three times, um, which is just ridiculous. Um, yeah, three times. So he was the first round leader in 2021. He was the first round leader in 2008. Um, as Are you saying you, that's a safer bet? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I think it might be four times. So 2004, he was the first round leader by two wow. shots. 2007, he was the co-leader. 2008, he was the co-leader. And 2021, he was the leader by four shots. Um, I, I think there's every chance. I mean, I was backing Justin Rose to win the Masters at probably 14 to 1 at one point. Like, he, I know there's obviously that's a lifetime ago, but we've seen this kind of renaissance this season with Rose, Day, and Fowler, who are kind of putting the same sort of trio. And Rose is the only one so far that's got the win. I know it came at Pebble Beach, I know it came in kind of weird circumstances. And after that, he, he did struggle. So I think I kind of backed him maybe his next start, maybe at Riviera, uh, where he had a, a bit of mixed form. But when you looked into it, he had played well there over the years and maybe without some reward and then he missed two cuts and I thought okay maybe like the, the time's gone he just kind of picked that win but then he finishes sixth at the players uh which was, was a really steady result obviously um skipped the match play last week which I actually don't dislike I think that's quite a good little thing to do uh Bowspar, he was steady at 36 he ticks every box right he's got that win he's got a sixth in the players championship um I think he played better than uh, the the record suggests at the Amex and Tory Pines uh, the week before his wins as well, which kind of pushed to that. If anyone's going to kind of get that well overdue Masters win, probably Rory, as, as we've kind of touched upon. But Justin Rose has certainly served his apprenticeship, even, as you said, in major championships overall, but certainly in Augusta. And I think you can get kind of 66 to 1 that he finishes uh, inside of 10, top 10 places, um, you know, fifth of the odds of that. So, I think that's I think that's great value. I, I maybe his winning time is gone because you know you've got the Rams, the the, the Shefflers and the and the Rorys, but they can't win every tournament, right? We've, we've seen that in recent <laughs> mm. weeks, and and uh, having a core specialist who has shown in some life, yeah, we've seen stranger Masters winners in recent years is all I would say, um, and I think definitely if you're going to bet him to win, definitely bet him to win <laughs> to lead after round one as well. Let's finish on our picks because yeah. I think that that's what really what we're all here for. So, look, I I I've listened to what you have both said. I'm absolutely standing by Rory McIlroy as the 2023. I, I don't know if that's just because I'm going to be there for the first time, and there's just like that in itself is going to be magic, of course. Mm-hmm. But to be there and witness the grand, I think. To, to witness the Grand Slam happening in person would be something special. And I think that that's just why I'm putting that positive mindset on it. It's just that the, the PMA. I'm not going to back Rory McIlroy with Ash because every time I do that, he doesn't win. So I'm staying away from him. I am going to put a bit of cash with Justin Rose. So Matt, Rory McIlroy is my nailed on to win. Justin Rose is my each way back. Matt, who are you who are you fancying? Um, definitely Scotty Scheffler. Um, I've ma- I've managed to back him with both of his wins this year actually, so um, he's a bit of a cash machine for me. So I'd definitely be going with Scheffler, and then I've, I've already backed Max Homer. Now M- Max Homer has quite a poor um major record to be honest, and I think he probably will will, will, will well he would definitely be aware of that. Um, and as he's getting becoming a, a a big game player on the PGA Tour, um, I think that's definitely something that he'll want to address in his own mind. Um, he's only ever made two appearances at the Masters. 
Um, so perhaps he's maybe still trying to fill the place out, um, learn all sort of the nooks and crannies, trying trying to um, get his putting together. Um, and he's just uh, he's a player. You know, if if, if it was if this was, if this was youth football, he, he'd he'd win the most improved player award, wouldn't he? I think. Um, <laughs> so yeah, a, a massive big game player. Unlucky not to win the Genesis. Um, obviously won the Fourth Net Championship at the start of the season, and then won the Farmers Insurance. Um, tied sixth at the players um, and a respectable effort in the match play. Um, and I think just that desire that I'll be, he must have to improve his major record. Um, and he's never been in, in, in a, in a more inform impressive position um, to, to improve that record, I think. So definitely Max Homer and Scotty Scheffler. And I sort of, I, I think I've talked myself into Victor Hovland. Maybe I went back three players, but Victor Hovland will be my other one. If you're going to back three players, I think Augusta is the time to do it. Mm. Tom, you've told us how much you like John Rahm's chances out of the top three. Have you got any outside tips for us? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting what you say about Max Homer. Like the, the fact that he finished 13th for the PGA Championship last year was kind of his first ever look at really. He was inside the top 10 going into the final round. Wasn't going to win, I don't think. But he was only, you know, it was Pete Pereira that was way ahead and everyone else he could have kind of caught. Um, so that that is interesting. He's kind of called off a little bit um, in terms of betting odds because people were getting too excited about him in the US Open. I'm not going to go there. I do like Cameron Young. I, I liked what we said about him earlier. I think that the Paul Tazori factor could be very much what Ted Scott did uh, for Scotty Scheffler. I and do the think OWGR he, factor. And the OWGR factor, of course. And the fact that when you look at it, he was second in this PJ Championship that we're talking about with Max Homer and, th- and uh, third, sorry, in that PJ Championship and was actually one of the better players on the final day of the, of the top bunch. Um, and then, you know, stuck around for as long as possible at the Open Championship uh, start later. So the fact that he's kind of come back and done so well there, I think is is great. Uh, I do like Sanjay Im. I think the fact that he's been second and eighth here in two of his three starts, he led after round one last year. He was second after round two and third going into the final round and shot 75. He's actually been inside the top three in five of his 12 rounds at Augusta. And inside the top eight three more times. So it's a ridiculous clip, really. Uh, he didn't play great at the Genesis Honda, but started positively at both. He was sixth at the players in his last match, uh, stroke play start. And even at the match play, he won confidently against uh, McNeely and Fleetwood, even with his about, without his best iron play. So I think Sanjay Im is really, really interesting. I I worry about the winning outside, but I think the place value at 40 to 1 is really good. And then a couple I'm looking at, I won't give it all away because you know we'll have the write up in on National mm-hmm. Pop Golf for tomorrow. Um, but I think, the, or Tuesday morning maybe, but um, I'll be interested to see how Hideki plays. I think it's, it's all fitness dependent. We've spoken about Matt Fitzpatrick and his ailments, but I think Hideki's kind of facing the same issues. I was really impressed with how well he played last year as a defending champion. He was second going into the weekend and finished 14th. Uh, finished, he played well at the players, didn't he? I think he had a top five finish there, kind of out of nowhere, really, because he's been struggling for form. So I think for me, Matsuyama could show up. He, seven of his last eight efforts at uh, Augusta, he's finished inside the top 20. So incredible consistency for him. Players always seem to do really well. If you look at past, if you go through the past champions, like players always seem to do well the year after they've defended. I mean, obviously you've got obvious yeah. cases like Arnold Palmer, who won like every other year, basically. Like he yeah. never defended. He just kept winning every other year. And, you know, Bubba Watson <clears> went win, miscut win, you know, as a more recent example. But, you know, there are plenty of those where players, you know, flub it on when they're defending because they're just, well, for whatever reason, whether it's just the pressure of defending 
or you know, all the other stuff that comes with being the defending champion perhaps takes the spotlight in the week. But they always come back and do really well. So Matsuyama is definitely someone mm. I was looking at as well. Uh, but yeah, again, just it's it's one of those things where do I fancy him enough to to part with my hard-earned <laughs> cash? To, to kind of back up your point with with some some numbers there, Alex, is that Dustin Johnson won it, then missed the cut, then finished 12th. Uh, you know, Patrick Reed won it, then finished 36th defending, then finished 10th and 8th after that. And, you know, you, you factor that in, it's quite a, a trend. You know, Bubba Watson famously first, 50th first, as you mentioned. But there's definitely something to it. And I don't think that we should be kind of overlooking that. I think it is definitely something that we should take into account uh even da- even as, as extreme as kind of like Danny Willett he he won then missed the next three cuts but suddenly over the last two or three years he's finished 25th and 12th so yeah. it can just be once you kind of get that pressure away from you and actually you realize you're really good at the golf course and you've won here before and you haven't got all the the responsibilities and even the spotlight on you it can be really important so I think if Hideki Matsuyama is fit the, the value on him is great you know he's got all the attributes still there's nothing really gone with his game and we've already, I don't know if we mentioned it before we came on or or just at the start, but Corey Connors has got an excellent record here as well. So I'm sure that he's someone that people will be keeping an eye on because he is currently, as we speak, uh, two shots clear at the Valero Texas Open. So he will definitely get some people's cash this week. Mm. I think we should also note, regular, listen, regular listeners will know that we are good friends with Callaway on this pod. They are, we call them friends of the slam. And... Is it 10 of 14 PGA Tour events? 10 of the last 14 PGA Tour events have been won by players using a Callaway driver. So let's not take that factor away. So John Rahm and Justin Rose, two players that we've mm-hmm. mentioned. Justin Rose plays with a Callaway driver. John Rahm is a Callaway staffer. So maybe just pick a Callaway driver and then just yeah. and then put your money on them. I think it it's suits me. Only, it? only boosts my confidence in John Rahm. So get the old paradigm yeah. out and he can he can win a green jacket. And if you haven't bought a Paradigm yet, what are you doing? <laughs> it's it's a winning driver. Guys, thank you so much, Matt. I look forward to spending the week chatting with you. From yeah, I can't Augusta. wait for it, to be fair. Sorry that you're going to be in Manchester instead of Georgia. but You're, you're holding up the floor, well, are you, Matt? Them's the breaks. <laughs> and Tom, appreciate it. So, Tom, your your podcast. So, if, if you like what you've heard from Tom. He does a podcast every week with, remind me of your podcast co-host yeah, name. Bradley Todd and Jason Daniels on the podcast each week. And it's called The Lost for Lost Pod. For words, Lost for Words. Lost for Words, yeah. And you can find Tom on Twitter. I think, is it Tom Jacobs 93 Is that right? That's the one, if yeah. you're If you're a tweeterer, yeah. guys, enjoy the Masters. <laughs> it's going to be a wonderful week as always. Absolutely cannot wait. And I'll, uh, I'll send you a postcard. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cheers, fellas.